everybody. Welcome to the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. That's James. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. We are two days away from the debut of the Ahsoka series, and it is an important one for many reasons. One being Dave Filoni's first time as a showrunner. Uh, he is in charge of a Star Wars live action show. And that's a big deal, especially with what these characters mean to him and, of course, what it means to fans, especially people who know Rebels, like Rebels, and people who really love Rebels. Now, Rebels is my favorite Star Wars animated series, but James, it is one of your favorite pieces of Star Wars, period. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal in a lot of ways. Yes. I Yeah. Uh, if this is your first time hearing this from me, I think that Rebels as a collective of four seasons, that that story is the best Star Wars story ever told. And that includes the movies. Um, it's just, it just hit exactly as it should. Sometimes you watch episodes and you go, that feels a little kitty, but man, when you finish it all and you think back to the show, you don't think about those random episodes or whatever. It has this, big connected important story out of all those characters it does and it has such a significance to this the overall timeline too and it 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 does not feel like they just like took a little pocket and did this there's a really a significant thing there um similar Mm -hmm. to the clone wars you know i mean maybe you've never seen the clone wars but like these things happen and the things that happen there Mm -hmm. are important to the big story you know yeah Uh, rebels is great yeah for me with rebels that separates it from clone wars for me is less serialized and more um this one progressing narrative that uh i enjoy now um in terms of what we're doing today we are going to be talking a lot about dave filoni um his potential future what our thoughts are uh we also are going to be doing will of the force but before we do that, um, first off, you know, if if you haven't listened or watched in a while, Lacey's sort of doing uh, half time, sort of. I don't know. How do you say that? But she she dialed back a little bit. Um, obviously, she's expecting her second child uh, in a couple of months. So she just needed to take more time to herself. And uh, so me and James are going to be doing these Monday shows. Uh, but always hit Lacey up on social media at Lacey Gillerin. And... Uh, for anyone who is just tuning into TRB for the first time, uh, thank you. But uh, there's a lot of TRB going around. We do two episodes every week. We're going to be starting TRB live on Wednesdays. Usually it's Thursdays when there isn't a show. But James, we have a Star Wars show that's coming out on what? Wednesday. So we are doing Wednesday nights for through the run of Ahsoka on TRB live, which is 830 East right here on the channel and on your podcast feeds thursday morning uh so make sure you're subscribed whether that's here on the youtube channel youtube.com slash at the resistance broadcast or your favorite podcast app spotify apple what have you uh so that you are always ready and not missing any of our episodes because sometimes they connect quite a bit and this past thursday on trb live we did our speculation and final predictions of what will happen in ahsoka and i i forgot that the darksaber got destroyed in mando (laughs) So there's a lot. There's a lot to go over. So make sure you're subscribed and thank you to everybody who listens. And as far as our uh, support from Patreon, uh, thank you to all of our patrons. Um, If you like what we do here at TRB and want to support us, head to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Tiers start at $5. Uh, And as you move up the ranks, there's more perks and rewards. We have a Discord server, a lot of exclusive content on there. Uh, We do live stuff, live Q&As. We do live uh, hangouts, live meetings, a lot of cool fun stuff over there so head to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast and sign up and support yeah. us um now before we get to will of the force uh we've been doing this like sort of a bridge version of how we are handling coverage of things like ahsoka um bottom line is we of course stand with the unions that are trying to get beyond antiquated contracts and uh we hope everyone can get back to work and find an agreement so that everything can get back to being made and them making and writing and developing the things we love. Um, But because of the fact that so much of the future of this saga, especially this connected storyline will hinge upon the success of Ahsoka. 
um, we made the decision that we are going to cover Ahsoka, especially, you know, it was made before all these strikes were happening. It means a lot to the future of the franchise. It means a lot to the existence of the franchise today. And of course, what's to come ahead well beyond when the strike ends. Um, but we, we do certainly stand with those who are striking uh, against the studios for good reason. Um, but that is why we have chosen to cover Ahsoka. Um, and for we have uh, full statements on that in our past few episodes. But James, we have a lot to talk about, although it's mainly about one thing. Um, and of course, the man doing it, Dave Filoni. But let's kick things off. Let's warm, warm up the engines here with our first segment. All right. I fear nothing for all this as the force wills it. That's right. It is time for Will of the Force, where we pose questions that ask whether something will or will not happen. Now, some of those questions come from our patrons. And this time in this segment, all of the questions are going to be about Ahsoka. As the series arrives with its first two episodes on Wednesday, let's get started with the first one here. This one from uh, one of our commanders, Commander Ian Thompson. Ian. Commander Ian Thompson, you are on the show. Uh, the question uh, they sent over was, will Ahsoka feature Plo Koon like the actual Plo Koon uh, as either a force ghost or in a flashback? Um, now, I'm curious to when this question was actually submitted because we got that big Master and Apprentice uh, mini documentary, seven minutes long, where they discussed... Who is Ahsoka? Where did they, you know, not the character necessarily, but the, the character development. Where is this person coming from? Yeah. Dave talked a lot about how initially it was supposed to be Ahsoka and Plo Koon. And we know in canon, those two are very connected um, as Plo was sort of the one who uh, discovered Ahsoka. And they they have um, their own sort of connection. Uh, I don't oh man this one's tough because i think this is the time to do it <laughs> it is if dave filoni who loves plo Koon and who has on numerous occasions used him as sort of like you know it's because it's his favorite jedi and sort of this like hidden like little thing this would be the sort of joke of like and then plo Koon a decoy too and that's what I'm saying. It's like, and everybody goes, oh, is that like Luke? And he's like, no, <laughs> it's Plo Koon, you know? Um, and I seem to think we might be getting some flashbacks in Ahsoka anyway with Anakin based on his line. That's why after all said and done, after all that big, long explanation, I think there is a chance that in Ahsoka, we will see a live action Plo Koon somewhere in, in a flashback of some sort. Mm. John, what do you think? I'm sort of leaning in that direction too. I do not think Force Ghost. No. Um, I think even they limit who can be Force Ghosts. Um, it wasn't in Rise of Skywalker. Get right. up, Ray. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, it, would, it would not shock me if Filoni found a way to get Plo Koon in the mix in a flashback. Now, right. I feel like because... Ever since they did that flashback, and I, I think the first flashback was in Last Jedi. Anna? Oh, yeah, you're right. But I think like when we were really getting it in Mandalorian, well, actually, the, I'm the wrong. battle droids and stuff. Force oh, Awakens. Well, Force Awakens with the thing, yeah. With Rey as a kid. Um, but anyway, sequel trilogy. Ever since we got flashbacks anyway in canon Star Wars, it has really opened the floodgates on speculation. And I feel like... At, Everybody, and even including us on Thursday, are talking about what flashbacks we're going to get. And if they do a bunch, I think we'll get Plo Koon. If they only do a couple, I don't think so. Um, but because Filoni likes him so much, and there's probably there has to be some level of uncertainty on, you know, will I get to do this show again? Will I get the chance to do this? And that might have creeped into his head where he's like, I got to get Plo Koon in here. I got to do a, I got to do my version of Plo Koon here. So I think yes. On a flashback, briefly, no, I don't think of any big thing. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, but it's sort of no, like no, when we saw young Kanan no. in that uh, Tales of the Jedi. It's like he's right there, oh, and uh, you got to sneak him in there. What? Bad Batch too. Bad Batch too, but that, but he like wrote him into that. It was the first time I think we saw him though was in the trailer or something for 
Tales of the Jedi, was it not? And he was like standing next to Deppa Blaba, and everybody's like, that's Kanan right there. There he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I feel like that was his first animated appearance as we saw him and he didn't do anything. And then later in Bad Batch, we got him more. But I, I, anyway, it doesn't really matter. It's a, just a strange comp. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. Yeah. So we're both on the page that Plo shows up at some point in some type of flashback in the background. I don't think he'll have any lines or anything. Thank you, Ian. Right. Yeah. Um, all right, let's take another one here. Uh, let's go with will Tatooine be featured at all in Ahsoka? And I think this is this question is coming from just the sheer fact that we've gotten so much Tatooine recently. A lot of Tatooine. They're like, oh, we already created the digital asset. We can just throw it on. <laughs> uh, John, do you think that a Tatooine will be featured at all in Ahsoka? I'm going to say no, but when you think about, you know, Tatooine is very relevant to Anakin's story, which in turn becomes sort of relevant to Ahsoka's story in a way. But I just don't think there's going to be any reason for it to show up. I don't know that we're going to get a, a like a young Anakin flashback or a flashback of him slaughtering the Tusken Raiders or anything like that. And I don't, I can't imagine Ahsoka having any reason to go there. And I'm trying to think of the other characters. Pelimato. What they would. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, and I don't think Pelimato's showing up in this series. So I'm gonna say no Tatooine. I'm gonna say no Tatooine in Ahsoka. I think my answer could be summed up instead of saying no Tatooine, I'm gonna say I hope no Tatooine. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I I am sort of burnt out on it. Um it's fine that Mando went to Tatooine, but it even that alone already sort of pulled away from when Ray got to go back to Tatooine at the end of Rise of Skywalker because you see the Falcon fly over it and yeah. you go, I mean, who cares? We've been hanging out at Tatooine all month, you know, yeah. with these Mandalorian episodes. And then we're like, okay, Tatooine again, though. That's fine. It wraps up the, okay, cool. And then Book of Boba Fett, he's like, I'm back on Tatooine. And I'm like, oh my gosh, seriously? all Tatooine. Get get out of this place. Like, and I get it makes sense to some degree, but it is really frustrating when like Mandalorian and Boba Fett and Rey, you know, like, it's like, let's get off this planet. So it, while Anakin has the connection here, I think when we get Anakin, it's way more Coruscant related. And I would way rather see Coruscant, even though we're starting to get that in the shows too. I'd way rather see that than I would um, anything. But at this, I mean, where's, where are they at? And um, when it's uh Christophsis, right? Is that the name of the planet? In Clone Wars. When we first meet Ahsoka and yeah. they, they do the thing. So yeah. if they take us to that moment in the show, that would be a cool backdrop that we never seen uh in live action before. Mm-hmm. And you know, we could show a little That's bit a of a point. recreation yeah. of some of those scenes, not like in full effect, but like I remember my master and it cuts to him and he like is like laughing and turning and like the first time I ever saw him was that you know or something. Who knows? It could be cool, but that would be a good planet to have Anakin be on that's new to um, live action. So, yeah, that's cool. Well, and like, like Luke, it's so funny that line from Luke in the very first star Wars movie was, if there's a bright center of the universe, you're on the planet. It's farthest from, and George Lucas is like, just kidding. Everything happens on Tatooine. Yeah. But like, we're going to find out one day uh, in a book that like, there's, Tatooine is a nexus or something. It used to be a water planet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get to another uh, Patreon submission. This one is coming from one of our commanders, specifically Joey Saxon in this question. Joey Commander Joey Sack wanted to know, will Ahsoka speak with Mon Mothma during the series? I'm going to go first on this one. Not hard. No, but I'm very confident that the answer to this is no. Um, it's not that I wouldn't want it, but I think based on the interviews that we've already gotten, uh, she's not in it much. She has one scene and that one scene has already been shown to us. And that one scene is with Hera. 
and it's over a projector or I, hologram. I agree with that. And also just the trend of Mon Mothma to this point, you know, throughout Star Wars is never really around Jedi. And, you okay, know, it's a great point in Rogue One. She goes to Bail Organa and she says, your friend, the Jedi. In other words, like she almost doesn't even really know what they are. The one uh, who can get us stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> your, your friend, the Jedi, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I agree with you. And then, I, you, yeah, you just reminded me her statements about like, I did one day on Ahsoka or something like that. And it seems like it's just going to be that thing to connect stuff and see, let's check in where Mon Mothma is post Return of the Jedi. Um, Which if, if you've forgotten or, or, or didn't know, we also, the reason that scene was important was because it was, they showed uh, Kaz's father in that scene as well, too. Yeah. It was really yeah. cool to see some live action resistance connections there, too. That's a good point. that's the first live action resistance character, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I would have to say, yeah. I mean, not counting like a Poe Dameron or something. Oh, no, right. Obviously. Kylo Ren, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I th- I think this is a no. I think this is a no. Yeah, I think Hera's going to be the one and she'll relay, you know, what, you know, the f- formation of the New Republic thinks on this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, I sort of take it back, though. We did get three Resistance ships and voices in Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. I if would you want it, If you want to go yeah. that route, yeah. Yeah. But technically live action, and I believe we even heard their voices over the comms and stuff. So, hmm. but hey, uh, Joey, I hope that answers your question. And maybe it's a little bit disappointing, but I think that is just the reality of it. Uh, Ahsoka will probably not speak with Mon Mothma in Good our question, opinion. Though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One more question for Will of the Force. Uh, this one is as is Star Wars tradition, will anyone lose a limb and survive? In this season of Ahsoka, John, you get to go first on this one. What do you think? I think it would be really cool if and people are going to take this the wrong way, but if Ahsoka like had to have a mechanical arm like Anakin did, um, oh, yeah, I think that'd be like, I think it'd be kind of cool. Like she's fine, she'll be okay. Like it happened to Luke too, you know. Yeah, it happens, um, and then you'll forget because she's just wearing a glove and yeah, those yeah. seasons. And, and but but she could also like have that moment where she looks at it and like you think like the way Luke thought about his dad and stuff. I think that'd be cool. Um, and Filoni likes those sort of motifs and callbacks and stuff. I, they're you know they're probably not going to do it, but just because I think it would be cool. To, to see um, as long as it it's a one of our heroes and they're okay. Or what if it happens to one of the bad guys, one of the villains, you know, that, that could be cool too. I, I want to discuss see whether those villains are going to live though. I know. I, I kind of want to see it. So while it's probably unlikely, it's probably like 80, 20 that they won't do this. I'm going to say, yes, let's go. I'm saying no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that it's uh, a good thing, but I think this tradition died a while ago. I think this Mm. tradition sort of went away because if you kind of consider who the last person to really lose their limb and survive was, I mean, there's probably other ones, but the only one I can think of is Dooku. Oh, he didn't survive even, but it was sort of like you watch the movie and you watch his limbs get cut off and you're like, oh, that's Star Wars for you. Um, Mace Windu, I guess, too, also lost a hand. So it's like, it's sort of Star Wars-y, but I feel like that tradition is sort of lost. It doesn't really ever happen in like Clone Wars or any other animated things. It hasn't happened in anything Mandalorian yet. I I just think they've moved away from that. I guess you could say that. But while I think that's interesting, I think that the uh, mechanical arm on Ahsoka sort of goes against Ahsoka. What about Ming-Na Wen? Uh, Her character. Did she lose a limb? Well, they had to replace her whole like torso. Well, that there is that, but I that it's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. I don't feel like that's them being like, uh, 
oh, we're going to do a twist on the classic thing. Instead of them losing a limb, they're going to the lose. Fennec Shand, sort of. And then, like, what was this? What, I mean, when you look at the movies, man, it was like every other day, like, Anakin was like, lost a hand, lost a leg. You know, it's like, yeah. it's ridiculous. Cobb Vanth, though, he, he may be a little messed up. Maybe he needs a little mech no arm. I'm saying no. All right. right I'm going no on this one. All right. I, yeah. I don't even know who it would be. I, the only thought I can have is, uh, is uh, Sabine. Like maybe that's like a low moment in this series, and Ahsoka has to say, "Get back up," you know, or something. But we'll find out. Uh, other than that, though, that's going to wrap up Will of the Force, and we can get into our discussion uh, right now. Obi One once thought as you do. All right, our discussion this week, as spoiled by the title of this podcast, Dave Filoni, heir to the Lucasfilm Empire. Uh, so we just thought it would be cool to step back because everyone's talking about Ahsoka, 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 and just talk about the man himself, Dave Filoni, uh, the one who co-created Ahsoka with George Lucas. Um you know, he he sort of had, as he said in that Master and Apprentice seven minute featurette, which if if any of you haven't watched that, definitely check that out on the Star Wars YouTube channel. But Filoni sort of talks about how him and Ahsoka had similar paths. He started as George's apprentice and now look where he is. He's a creative executive on the board at Lucasfilm. He's now a director, a showrunner, and he's going to be directing a movie. Fingers crossed that still happens. Um, <laughs> Dave Filoni is... Well, he's not going to put out a stinker before it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> not a, a not point. a movie, at least. Yeah. Right. So Dave Filoni is a lot of things for a lot of people. And obviously, all those titles I just listed are his current roles for Lucasfilm. But bigger than that, you know, he is the connectivity the closest level of creative connectivity to George Lucas, who has since handed off the reins uh, over 10 years ago now. Um, but he still checks in and sees, you know, visits the set and sees what, what Dave's up to. But also for fans, I think there's a certain level of um, respect and capital given to Dave Filoni that maybe other creators don't give, or aren't given by fans to a certain perspective because he is sort of the chosen one by George Lucas in a way. Um, like his son without being his son in a sense. And yeah. I, I, I don't think in this title, I mean like heir to the empire of Lucasfilm that he's going to take over and be president. But in terms of from the creative perspective, is he the rightful heir to continue being the main tree from where these stories come from the way George Lucas was? Um, so... To me, there's a lot of reasons why he should be that person um, because I can't think of any situation where there would be someone else who would leapfrog him as that person unless he completely lost his way. And it, by all the looks of it, it looks like he's just getting better and better with his skill sets and storytelling. Because if you look at, which may be on purpose, I don't know how you think about this, James, but even... You know, Clone Wars to Rebels, I think there was a, a step up there in certain perspectives on how to tell a connected narrative versus serialized stuff. And that was a lot of George Lucas. He liked doing those serialized storytelling. But also season one of Rebels compared to season four, the maturation there. And even Dave Filoni spoke about maturation of his storytelling. Um, so what what do you think about this? You know, obviously you're a huge Dave Filoni fan, being that Rebels is your A1, you know, Star Wars story. Mm -hmm. um is is dave filoni the the heir to the future of lucasfilm storytelling i mean since your question says not necessarily being like the person who's gonna run it all or anything like that i think he already is mm -hmm. i think we're already at that point um where when ahsoka comes out i know I know he's leading up to a movie and in a lot of ways that movie is sort of like, well, that's, you know, that's a big one, but I feel like the fact that we've gotten our solos, our rogue ones, um, you know, we're going to get, um, our, uh, origin story of the force and all this, like 
uh, or a Ray follow up. Like there's so many movies now. Movies just sort of feel like another part of the the the, the cogs that are Lucasfilm. Um, they don't feel like it's that's the big 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 thing. I feel like that's why right now leading into Ahsoka that this is sort of the official handing off of like everything that I've learned about um, Star Wars from George is leading to this moment. It's not leading to the movie. That The movie is the culmination of everything from this point forward, you know, or from like Mandalorian yeah. forward or whatever. That's something else. But uh, Dave being given the opportunity to do this show is the beginning of this is the new... Um, or at least this is this is one of the paths that Lucasfilm is taking. And that's maybe one way to take this conversation is that the heir to the Lucasfilm... So, so says Dave Filoni. He's the new George Lucas. He controls everything. I think that what they are doing is they're saying, you don't control everything. But if you are the type of person who was like a big George fan, you know... We are carving out a path for you. It's the Dave Filoni path. We are doing yeah. that story for you. We are still going to do our Deborah Chow Obi Wan's. We're still going to do our our you know um, our our movies over here and our High Republic over here. You know that well, stuff's movie, not yeah yeah that stuff's not being handled by Dave Filoni. But there is this very clear path that they're telling us there's a reason that segment is called master and apprentice they're saying look there was george george and george handpicks dave dave is the culmination of you know like what george i don't know man it's all of his lessons and everything wrapped up into this there's no other person you said it yourself that is going to like supersede him at that they might be able to do other stories over here and that could be really cool we could get um that's that's where you know another world in the corner of star wars is the ryan johnson world like maybe ryan has his pocket over here that he's doing that or whatever dave doesn't control that but we have a dave led Star Wars. Yeah, I agree, uh, but I think timeline or there whatever, is yeah. there is an additional um, there are additional steps. He hasn't reached his summit yet, and I think what will be better understood is when Kathleen Kennedy moves on because she was in place as president when Dave was still just developing animation. And he was the animation guy. And now she's still president. And now he's worked his way up to creative executive. Mm-hmm. Um, if, cause, and we have seen and heard on multiple instances that Kathleen Kennedy gives very strict or overpowering creative dis- tr- decisions on movies and what happens. And, you know, we're going to do this. We're not going to do this, obviously. Uh, this character is going to, go this way and you know all that stuff um even down to the you know music choices for like young leia that we were told by natalie holt that kathleen kennedy sort of put her foot down on some things about that so i think the better scope of this will be you know once you know if kathleen kennedy moves on you know who whoever takes over as president and uh, president of lucasfilm uh unless you know they umbrella it or whatever but then you'll see what like once that happens, keep an eye on where Dave Filoni's at and does he receive more creative control to the point where he becomes the George Lucas of creative and the president handles the executive element of it, controlling the producers and directors and all that stuff and mm-hmm. do like a two-headed monster sort of thing. Because then, because George Lucas had his hand in everything in terms of his canon. Um, was his this, company. It was, yeah, his company, but also from the creative element of it, like I was saying last week on, I believe one of our episodes that even though he didn't direct the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, he's all over those movies. He's like literally hands on, on the sets, making decisions and like guiding the directors and not stepping on their toes, but saying like, 
this is what I had in mind and that sort of thing. I could see that for Dave Filoni in the future. And it doesn't mean he's overriding what the directors are doing, but having a more active role in the future of the overall storytelling, I could absolutely see that because he has really ascended in the last five years from being the animation director to now a creative executive where like we heard last summer, I believe it was either Puck News or Jeff Snyder who have been both been very right on a lot of these things saying Dave Filoni was a part of that war room talking about the future of the movies, including that Ray movie. Um, and he previously had no tie with the Ray character at all. Right. As a matter of fact, his first time, uh, you know, being observing directing was when Ryan Johnson invited him to the last Jedi set. So we can like sort of see how a Ryan Johnson operated as a director. And I yeah, thought that's really yeah. cool. So I think there's more to Dave's journey in terms of his overall involvement in creative. And to me, it seems like the logical path um, to have him be a bigger presence um, to not necessarily connect everything, but to make sure it has that Star Wars stamp of, of approval. Because like you said, the Master and Apprentice, Dave Filoni gets what George Lucas was looking for. And he knows the tendencies. And if anyone, like a lot of fans like to say like, George wouldn't, George would, George wouldn't do that. George would think this, George would think that. George Lucas is still alive. <laughs> He's not involved anymore. Dave Filoni is probably the person who, if he doesn't even, if he doesn't call up George Lucas, he probably has a very good idea of what George Lucas liked to do with Star Wars. And it doesn't mean Star Wars has to stay by always what George Lucas thought, but knowing that the person who invented this thing would want to steer in certain directions is, it's just logical for Dave Filoni if that's his next step. In other words, I guess I'm saying, to put it shortly, I don't think him being creative executive and in that spot that he is now is his ceiling. I think there's another step for him to take. Really? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still sort of sold on what I was saying before though. I, you didn't quite win me over. <clears throat> I, I think where your um, opinion on him not having that ceiling and being able to move up holds weight is the fact that he is currently that create he's in that creative executive spot that does. It sort of means that he has a little bit of pool on more than just what he's carving out. Mm -hmm. So that is a very good point. Um, I'm just, I'm not really sure because we've had these discussions before. Sometimes it's really hard to tell who makes the decisions at Lucasfilm. Sometimes I think Kathleen Kennedy is overseeing it. Other times I think, well, there's Michelle Rejwan. She, you know, live action development, you know, or whatever, you know. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore, but you know what I mean. It's like um, sometimes these like creative heads seem like they are probably the people who are like the, the top making the decisions for certain stuff. Um, then there's also like this other angle where they're like, we always let our directors and our storytellers dictate star Wars canon, you know, whatever they write. We just tell them if they, if they can't do that because it's a contradiction or whatever, but if it's, if they want to add to it, we just let them do it. So it's like, they're not even really controlling or they Your don't extent, really have the yeah. big picture. Sometimes, sometimes it's really hard to figure out what they're doing. I think that, one thing to note here is that Dave Filoni under Kathleen Kennedy is what he is. And we're seeing that grow and we're seeing that develop. If uh, a new person comes in, you know, another Bob, right? <laughs> As the head of Lucasfilm <laughs> instead of Disney this time, uh, a new Bob, a new uh, Bob. they come in and they say, we're switching things up. Uh, that James Mangold movie, it's done. Uh, you know, the, uh, we're not doing that. This, this oh, thing, this God, show, we're not doing that. that. Don't even put I'm that. I'm just out saying. The I'm just saying. I'm uh, for the sake Come of on, argument. Man. I'm saying somebody comes in and they 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 have control over the situation. They really shake things up. I think the one of the biggest mistakes that they could make is to remove Dave Filoni from power. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because I because that would crater everything, dude. That's what I'm saying. It, I, yeah. I I think that. I think that even if a new person came in and they said, you know, I'm getting rid of uh, the Ray, Ray storyline. I don't think it worked. We're not moving. I'm not moving Lucasfilm in that direction. Uh, 
we're not going the James Mangold thing. I've got new plans. We're bringing in new directors. My thing, I think all that shakeup fans could go, man, that's a bummer, but Hey, you know, I trust this person breathe new life into us. But the second he says, we're, we're squashing Dave Filoni's stuff or we're removing him from power. We're degrading him. I don't have faith in that guy. I think that person immediately loses fans. It lo- yeah. Oh. That person, lo- whoever it is, Gagger, that situation whatever, loses on any timeline. That's what I'm saying. So I think he has this very specific power that he holds sort of over any other creator creator including ryan johnson's and ron howard's and other and jj including the president of the studio yeah yeah he dave filoni is he has the job security of weathermen (laughs) (laughs) like weathermen could be wrong every day of the week and they're still going to be there at 11 o'clock to tell you what the weather's going to be um no offense to any of our patrons or or listeners who might be (laughs) Weatherman, but uh, my point is, Dave Filoni is not going anywhere. Uh, in any dream scenario that someone could cook up, that Dave Filoni gets jettisoned from Lucasfilm, Star Wars will probably end that day because even the even the most ardent of supporters of Lucasfilm, of Disney, whatever, would there would be a mutiny. You know, like you, that, so that situation just doesn't exist. Yeah. So yeah. If yeah, he's, yeah. You know what? Like, let, let's. I know we're making it clear, but I feel like we need to make it even more clear. The headline Dave Filoni fired, the clickbait Dave Filoni fired, is the least believable thing I could ever yeah. see when I wake up in the morning and I, I open up X or whatever, you know, and yeah. I, I and I see that somebody posts that. I just think. Kathleen Kennedy fired or, or steps down or, you know, or, or James Mangle movie, not happening. Daisy Ridley, not coming back. Here's one that's more believable. (laughs) Alec Guinness returns from the dead. (laughs) Will play Obi-Wan Kenobi is more believable than Dave Filoni is fired from Lucasfilm. It just, it seems like he's sort of bulletproof. And I don't know if that is, I mean, even John Favreau stepping away from Star Wars seems more believable than Dave Filoni stepping away from Star Wars. So John Favreau will eventually step away from Star Wars. I mean, Dave Filoni, this is this is his career. This is his life. You know, this is all he's known. And so, what is so? Then, in your opinion, what is the ceiling for him? Because you think there's this other position that is like the Johnny Ives to Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs runs I, the company, but Johnny Ives has so much power as a creative control of Apple. Of course, I, I'm not talking about currently. He doesn't even work for Apple anymore. But. I think currently Dave Filoni is looked at as an advisor for projects he's not involved in, that he's right. not producing. Um, I think he will likely show up on the set of the Mangled movie and be relied on heavily about thoughts on the force and the creation of the force. I think that's a no brainer. I, so I think the next step for him or maybe his, his like peak position will be like head of, um, not head of, I don't want to say head of creative, but something like that because because the, it, that's where I get a little stumped on on where what his path is. And I'm like, I feel like they're creating they have multiple paths. One of them is a very Dave Filoni heavy, about heavy, heavy thing. But at what point does he start to overlook over all of it? So I feel like that's pushing up against your president or your CEO. You, you have your president who's there to make the final call and stuff. But all pitches and, you know, project suggestions and you know storyline paths and what to do about the force and stuff have to go through dave filoni i think that's what we're looking at in the future i think that's the natural progression for me because right now he you know as a creative executive he's he's one of many um but i i just i don't see him flatlining his career here at that at that point and as, like I said, I, I think we'll learn more and it'll be more telling 
well, once it, once it, you know Kathleen Kennedy leaves, um, which I I have to imagine would be after this next contract this contract ends, but that's been said before, so we really don't know. Um, Bob Iger said the same thing, and he's apparently sticking around to the you know you know happiness or chagrin of whoever you are. But I I just I just we know he's not going anywhere. He's already a creative executive and has has vaulted to that position in just like five years. So I, I just don't think it ends there for him. So I think the natural progression is, is him becoming sort of the head of the creative side of things uh, and being like everything has to land on his desk in order for him to be like giving the thumbs up or thumbs down to the president of the studio saying like, we should be exploring this type of storytelling. We should not be exploring that type of storytelling. This works. This doesn't. We would have to tweak that. Um, I like that as long as this happens. I, I could totally see him having that level of an executive um, position. My thoughts on that is that Dave Filoni is a creative at heart. He's not just good at producing things on paper and like saying, this is where we're going to find our locations. This, this is how we're going to hire our actors. I think he wants to get, he, he wants to use his hands. Yeah. And I think right now him or him Having done the animation, he was he was directing that. He was hands-on. Now he's moved up. His career has grown to yep. a point where he's working in live-action television. His next step, he's going to be working in live-action movies. Yep. And then at that point, his next step is stepping away from that no. to head over everybody. No. So then what is he doing when he's when he's this creative person that looks over all of it? Well, George Lucas He's did the still same making thing. movies. George Lucas did the same thing. You know, he made the decisions on everything, including the, you know, licensing to the toys and licensing out things to the EU and uh, a but lot of. I don't of, think Dave wants that job. That doesn't feel like a. But I and maybe I'm getting wild on this, but it would not shock me at all if, say, a neck, another president comes into place at Lucasfilm they become more of the behind the scenes, not public facing persona. And Dave Filoni is the one that goes out on stage at a celebration and lets people know what's coming in Star Wars. He becomes the face. And I think that's a smart move for many reasons. One, I like that. we've seen him at celebration. People, he has people in the palm of his hand. He knows the pulse of fans. He knows how to get an ovation out of fans. He knows how to get a rise out of fans. He knows how to connect with the fans. He knows how to speak to the fans. I don't know that I could say that about Kathleen Kennedy. Like if you've got a private private, uh, president or CEO or something like that, and they're like, hey, when we do these celebrations or when we do these big like announcements at D23, I don't want to go out there. I don't want to yeah. be the person you need to be the person because you can go out there and be like, Hey, welcome to D 23. Today. We're going to be looking at the future of star think Wars. About, think about a lot of the recent celebrations, but that, or, that, that still doesn't feel like his job. I, uh, well, hang on because, right. and it, tell me if it's crazy, but I just think about how things are now and my experience in seeing panels at celebrations or even, you know, things that have been broadcast or, or publicly released. Kathleen Kennedy clearly, you know, reads what she has to read off the teleprompter in her presentations, whether they're prepared or they're live. Um, And then she sort of walks off the stage and then the creators take over. Dave Filoni, we've seen him several times clearly go off script, uh, clearly get a little improvisational with how he's handling things on stage. And he's very good at it. And he's very good at talking about star Wars. And I think it would be a smart decision on Disney's part and whoever steps in at Lucasfilm, if they go the route of keeping a president of that studio, they may umbrella this this thing. Yeah, that's a possibility. But and say like, this is so smart from the perspective of fans. If the, if Dave Filoni is talking to us and letting us know where we're headed and what we're doing, fans are going to give capital and credence to that more so than oh that the evil president who took this away from George Lucas. Like I I don't believe her, you know, which Mm -hmm. is constantly happening. And even people who love this stuff, like I, I have obviously have my criticisms. Bob Flukas. 
is this new person that well <laughs> yeah like the new but i guess what i'm saying if they get an, an actual studio executive because kathleen kennedy wasn't ever a studio executive she was a producer and one of the greatest of all time and then she becomes right. a president of the studio and we see like a lot of the rocky roads that have been happening if they get an actual studio which, executive which, in there who which does, makes me feel similar to which is why i'm fighting against it you're not saying it either but i'm saying i don't see producer kathleen kennedy being a studio executive was the best decision i also don't see Dave Filoni as whatever he is, you know, as he's moving up to become the head of creative, the, the paper, paper pusher, you know, like I don't mean it's behind pusher. a desk. No, I don't mean that at all. Well, that's I mean, how I think of Kathleen Kennedy. I don't think I'm not she's saying, like I'm getting not her saying, hands dirty. I'm not saying Dave I know Filoni you're not saying that. I'm saying okay. I just want to squash that, that I don't think we're leading to this point, which is why I think you're trying to create this other sub job. But every time you sort of create it, I still see it as someone who's not really getting their hands dirty. And they're sort of like just in control and a a head consultant sort of Mm, thing. I still think Dave Filoni will continue to create. And I I would, obviously this all hinges upon the success of what he's doing now, especially that movie. You know, if that movie becomes a big success, then, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. And maybe he doesn't want to become like a head of creative. Yeah, I where, just, yeah, where I does just he can't... move past that? Do another big movie and then a third big movie? You know, that's it feels like that's kind of plateauing. I agree. So the, the only logical path in for me, Star Wars, at least being that he keeps climbing that ladder, he's he seems to really be embracing that role. So as long as he's happy with it, I could see him still doing movies, a movie every three years, uh, be, you know, maybe being involved with something else on the TV side of things, but ultimately having a way larger role in the creative side of things. So I could see it two splits. You have the executive side and the creative side. And right now it seems to be very blurred because Kathleen Kennedy is very involved with decisions on creative stuff, not just green lighting things. Literally, you, we should change this scene to this. We saw Michelle That's Redwan fair. in the episode nine documentary. Michelle Michelle Redwan is talking mm-hmm. about how they decided about Ben Solo's fate and all that stuff. So I think having the executives on one side and having the creatives on the other side working cohesively in terms of communication, but I can't see anyone better than, I mean, maybe like a Leland Chi or something, but then Dave Filoni, because uh, he's still young, um, taking on that role at some point just for so many reasons. One, obviously from the creative perspective and two, like I said, it would have so much, it would carry so much weight with fans and I think that's what that studio needs more than anything right now is trust with fans. Um, so I, and it could, it could be that he doesn't want that. It just seems he's gotten this far, this fast in five years to be a creative executive at Lucasfilm from mm-hmm. being the animation guy that I can't see that stopping and I just don't know what else is there beyond having more of a, I'm going to be overseeing our, I'm going to be the one saying like, we should go forward with this movie. We shouldn't go Mm -hmm. forward with this. We should push this character, that character. Maybe we take a little time out on that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I, um, and get him out there on the celebrations with his hat and be the guy you know? Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, but what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give the boldest of predictions. Oh, I like those. Um, I think that if I were Dave Filoni and I were in the position that I'm in right now, where it's sort of his, um, you know, he's doing well. He, he had a, he knocked it out with this show. He knocked it out with that show. Now he's moving here. That's a big success. He's got a Ahsoka show. He's leading up to a movie. If those are good, then, you know, he keeps moving up. I personally think that in his mind, there is another, there's another walk of life. There's another option. And I think he's, he's already sketching in it. He's already, he's got his book. He's, he's writing out his own world that is not star Wars. Hmm. And I think that as he moves up as a creative, I think he could have the option to oversee star Wars, but for as, as a creative at that point, there's an argument to be made where he's like, I've conquered star Wars. I, I, 
I did stories, I did animation, I brought live action, I did uh, my own series, uh, Soka, what more, you know, I, I led all up this big culmination, I directed the movie, I did a Star Wars movie, what more do you want out of me? And I feel like as someone who could truly follow in the steps of George Lucas, he is probably right now and has been for a long time in his own mind, developing a world that he could say, I'm stepping away from Star Wars. Here is my next path in life. And I hope that you follow me on that journey where he in, invites us to learn about these new worlds, these new characters. And he is the head of this new company where he does own the licenses to the toys and the, and the marketing and everything. And he can control that just like George Lucas, but it's his. And that is the true succession of star Wars. Mm. It's a bold thing, but it is bold. It would Lucasfilm be... will never fight. They can't fire. <laughs> they could, but they can't fire. And they probably would never fire Dave Filoni. Right. But Dave Filoni can outgrow Lucasfilm. If he really outgrow? is that, Im- if he really that. is that ambitious, I think he can get to that point where that's why I said earlier, like then what does he do? He makes a second successful movie and a you third th- star Wars movie so and a fourth star Wars movie. What Dave is he Filoni doing? Could create, a world or franchise worth over four billion dollars. That's 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 saying a lot. Uh, but he wouldn't. He would only like because you said outgrow. That's a big right, word. Right, as a creative. Hmm. What so if, what I'm thinking this? like like so. For instance, um, um, I'm I'm trying to think. So uh, that would, by the way, that'd be catastrophic for Lucasfilm. <laughs> so. Well, it could be. It could be down the line. I mean, he may leave us in a place where he's where it's like, I've done so much for this company, and I feel like I've given you a lot of my knowledge that I had from George backed into new apprentices and new people who who can write and direct and, and do all this stuff with Star Wars. I feel like he's he has his own people that he's teaching as what well. What if he did it under Lucasfilm? You know, that's that's also possible. That's a good point. But again, that's well, up to not, Disney, though. Not again. That's a good option. But that option comes with the caveat of he doesn't own it. <laughs> but it would be a it would be a reasonable. Be a, me- now it's if not, he's been yeah. developing this other world and this other thing in his mind, does he want to sell that intellectual property to Lucasfilm and develop it under them? Or does he just want to walk away and be like, I'm starting my own company. You know what, man? I own the intellectual property now. I mean, that's a good point. I never thought of about him doing that. And it would be very um, ambitious and very George. Yeah, it would be very George Lucas. But I worked with the studios until I felt like I, I never really just wanted to do it myself. I never really say this seriously, but I would love for Dave Filoni to, for whatever reason, find this episode and listen to it and be like, <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely sure. not. Or yeah. No, and not about what you're saying about any of the things we're saying, yeah. you know, like, because we don't know. It, it really comes down to what he wants because I really like, I think we both agree. Like he's not going anywhere unless he wants to go somewhere. So, or he doesn't want to, you know, he, he can climb that ladder if he wants to climb that ladder, or he can just go back I, to, Doing animation if he wants to one day, you know. Maybe I know you're to... a big James Cameron fan, but where does James Cameron go? You know, it's like, okay, Disney's giving him all the money in the world to make his movies, yeah. so maybe he doesn't have anywhere to go. But if he was ambitious, there is this other idea that he's like, I'm creating my own studio. I own it all. I front the money. I make all the money. And it's like James Cameron's legacy could be bigger than making movies for Disney or being the most successful director under Warner Brothers or whatever, you know? That's, you know, James Cameron is around 70 now. So where was he, you know, 20 years ago? Because I believe Filoni's around 50, you Mm -hmm. know? It's it. I mean, Dave Filoni hasn't made a movie yet, so to compare him to James Cameron's tough. But, right. No, no, no. Um, but I, but I'm just saying, when you get to that point where you're, we, you feel like you're, I don't know, like where where do you go? Like I, I, I don't feel like him continuing to make movies for Star Wars. It feels like a plateau to me, and I, it, that would be uh, it's a nice plateau to be on, though, isn't it? Um, so there's some people who like doing that taking a path and staying on that path 
you know, in, in, in life and whether that's a day job and you get the job when you're 25 and you work till you're 65 and you retire and it's the same company and you've been there 40 years mm-hmm. or it's uh, a movie director and you, you, you make your movies like Adam Sandler, he, you know, he's been pretty much in terms of the movies he makes and not necessarily the ones he's in. It's like right. the same type of happy Madison stuff he's been doing for 30 years and he likes doing it. Yeah. Uh, the, the, and he's in a better position now. That's, that's more of like what I'm talking about with Dave Filoni at some point where you're like, I'm tired of being in movies or I'm trying to be, I want to own the company. You know, yeah. I want to still be creative. I want to star in my own movies. I you know, I want to make them. Dude, but- I could see it. I could see, I could see that happening. I don't know that that's as bold of a prediction as you think. It just scares the bejeez out of me because I don't For want to the leave. sake of star Wars. I don't want him to leave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But um, then again, yeah. Then again, I mean, you know, I love Kathleen Kennedy and I love the era that she has, but it would be nice. So much respect, for sure. It would be nice to, at some point in our lives, look at like the Dave Filoni era from, you know, all the way from Clone Wars to, you know, wherever he ends up. And then to be like, and if he wouldn't have left, we never would have gotten, uh, you know, flown Vitar or whatever, you know, like he's working on Avatar, you know, like, and then he moved <laughs> into Star Wars and then he created his own thing. This, the, the true Filoni verse that is like, you know, his own existing thing that could be huge. It could be like a Harry Potter level world of creation that he, that they would market as like from the basic, like the, the, the heir of George Lucas, you know, from the mind of George Lucas uh, they wouldn't say that, but you know what I mean? Like that, the whole pitch of like star Wars was George and, and it was, it carried on by this guy until he decided to do his own thing. So come and see his own thing, you know, or it, whatever. It's yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about. Cause I'm looking at his like whole filmography and aside from avatar, the last Air, airbender, it's, it's only been, Star Wars. It's been Star Wars and it's a lot of Star Wars. And at right. what point does a creative go? I feel like I've given everything that I can to Star Wars and it's time for me to move on. And I don't mean that like trade up or get bigger than Lucasfilm, but at some point I could see a creative like that saying, I want my own world. George taught me more about Star Wars. Uh, he taught me a lot about Star Wars, but he also taught me about how to be a successful businessman and to leave a legacy. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So right now his official title is executive producer slash executive creative director. I mean, he's kind of like right there and it's, yeah, you're right. It's a matter of it. Does he want to, does he want it or does he want to, yeah, develop his own, his own completely unique legacy. And he's going to turn 50 next June. So it's probably at that moment where it's like, if I'm going to do this, I got to do this now. Uh, it's interesting, and then that Cowboy begs the hat productions. That, that, <laughs> yeah. uh, that begs my my last question is if he's like, I I gotta go. Not saying they would be able to keep him. What would they offer him? To get oh, him well, I think I think that's the thing is they they offer him they offer him what he doesn't want and he has to make the hard decision and he goes i'm not ready for this but i'm doing it because I'm, if i'm leaving i'm starting my own company because the only place that i can grow in lucasfilm is to positions that aren't necessarily things that i want to do for for me yeah and let's say which i hope this doesn't happen of course let's say ahsoka falls on the <laughs> on the lower tier of viewership like like Andor or sure. something like that, and then his movie comes out and doesn't do well financially. Disney would be like, "Oh, you're going? All right, see ya." Like they won't see the way we fans and maybe people inside Lucasfilm see his value. They'll just be like, "This guy, this guy didn't make us money." Like we might he- think differently if he bombs on Ahsoka and the movie. Though I don't think he will. But again, in this That's scenario said, where, though. yeah, well, you, I thought I thought it was if those two thing bombs, then Lucasfilm might let him go, and they no, would no, no, be un- no, okay, no, no, okay, no, 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 sorry, no, I'm saying, say he's like, I want to try my own thing, yeah, and Ahsoka comes out, doesn't do well ratings wise. His movie comes out, doesn't make money in the box office, and Disney like Lucasfilm's like, man, we get, we need Dave's gonna leave. We gotta 
get him back. They go to Disney. They're like, who? Dave Filoni? You mean the guy who just put out that movie that lost money and the guy who did that show? Uh, we're good there. We're, and Lucasfilm can't be like, oh, well, too bad. Disney be like, no, we don't care. So I got you. Disney it, pulling it, the strings it, instead him of leaving, Him leaving or him staying you know, hinges oh will always because it's Disney owned will always hinge upon the financial success. Yeah, so, we're uh, we're assuming the best for Dave because oh, yeah. we have the faith that yeah. he could do it because he's knocked it out of the park with every other property and leading up to we'll, it. Even if we love, just like with Indiana Jones, just like with Solo, like will I don't care about the financial success of the stuff. Uh-huh. If it's good and I love it, I love it. So I think Ahsoka will be great. I assume he'll make a great Star Wars movie. Um, whether they do well, we'll see a lot of factors go into the play on that, but we, we, and that's the age old question of any creator. Like they're going to keep getting bigger until they release the movie that it's like, that was not good. And then it's just like, they get bumped back a little bit because they just had a huge flop and everybody thought they were like on top of the world. I'm glad you actor, director, writer, anybody. I'm glad you threw that hypothetical out there too, though, because I never thought of that. I, in my brain never separated Dave Filoni from Lucasfilm until just now. So that's interesting. Um, hopefully hopefully a lot of our listeners if if that's the case for you share this episode, <laughs> share this episode. and say there are things that i never thought with, about in star wars with until a caveat I listen to this that episode. we don't want dave to leave star wars <laughs> yes of course yeah well um, except have, for i would love the idea of this new awesome world what if it's great what if like it, what if it's it just this Lucasfilm. next awesome cool thing that we would never get if he just stayed at Star Wars? Do the you know? do the next Willow. Do the next, you know. I was I mean, I was Indiana thinking the Jones. next Harry Potter, the next Hunger yeah. Games, the next, you know, whatever the next big franchise is that just the Fast and Furious or whatever. Whatever it is that that somehow could be so cool and creative that it spawns uh, books and movies and TV shows, and it all comes from I mean, years later. We'll look at it and be like, "From the mind of Dave Filoni, right?" Or so whatever, and it's like the this, happy- that dude's a genius. He yeah. needs to be. He doesn't need to be as much as we love him, as much as Star Wars loves him, and and they're gaining from that success. There does come a point, and and it could all be a failure too. It could be Michael Jordan saying, "I'm bigger than basketball," and goes to play baseball. You know, yeah. but it's like at some point when you have someone that's so talented, it almost feels unfortunate to have him handcuffed into just one series. Let him develop his own series and intellectual properties. Yeah. And I, you know, the happy medium for that hypothetical for fans would be like the glistening Lucasfilm logo. And then, you know, Dave Filoni presents and it's some new thing you know yeah but that that and that is an option as well yeah but it that's again always going to be under the Disney under umbrella, the, so. exactly yeah it's, it takes a, a lot of money out to that it's it takes a good a lot opportunity of, but he might yeah. not take it yeah. it's hard to start new things these days when these studios are buying up all these ips so but anyway this is like I, a I, I was gonna say this is like a shark tank deal where it's like i'll give you all this money but I own 20% of your company, you know, or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. And right. he's like having to make the hard decision of like, I could, I could leave and develop something and I'm taking a risk on it, but nobody owns, you know, 51% and I, it now belongs to me and I could make all the profit. Yeah. It's, I own it. That's my legacy. It's not Disney's legacy. It's, 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 it's certainly interesting. And we touched on a lot of points and a lot of speculation on, on the path of Dave Filoni um, so I don't have much else. I don't know if you have anything else before we get out no, of here. No, I'm uh, curious to what Lacey would think if, yeah. if you're as thrown as uh, you are. I wonder if she has contemplated this or what her position on like, you know, where do people move up the ladder? Right. Yeah. And and our listeners, I'm curious where they lie on this. Like I, I would imagine a lot of them don't want Dave to go either, but um, there's a lot of different paths he, he can take. And uh, I think he has a lot of the, a lot of the control over that. Yeah. But we'll it's his see. To lose. Yeah. But uh, yeah, good discussion for sure. Uh, and I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening and watching and being a part of TRB. It means a great deal to all of us. So keep spreading the word, share links, tell your friends that we're going to be covering Ahsoka and going live this Wednesday. Um, but ultimately that if, 
you know someone who likes Star Wars, tell them about the Resistance broadcast because we always have a good time twice a week and we like to invite more people into our Resistance base. So keep spreading the word. And a big thank you again, like at the top, to our patrons, patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Check it out. If you find a tier you like, they start at five bucks. Sign up. Join us. It's a good time over there too. A lot of exclusive content, live stuff, awesome fun over there. And a big special shout out to our generals and spice runners, Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Chris Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Sneaky Zebra, Aaron Ellington, Colin Cormier, Jolton Jedi DiMaggio, Diana and Dave Hornack, and the Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Michael Fry, and the Fort Worthian, and everybody, thank you all so much. James, this is a good time. Uh, I am at Johnny Hoey on Twitter, Threads, Blue Sky, um, and my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies. Uh, we're putting out an episode tomorrow, I believe, on Top Gun Maverick, our most recent movie to date. Um, how about you, James? Woo! I got... What, what did he say? Uh, son, I've had jet fuel in my blood since I was born. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> what, a, what a flick. Yeah. Um, you can find me on uh, X and Instagram, both at Myra Trunks. And as we said before, Lacey at Lacey Gillerin on all the platforms. And we'll be back. TRB live Wednesday night, 830, talking about the first two episodes of Ahsoka. So, uh, we know everyone's going to watch it. We hope you enjoy it. We hope it's good. And have a great start to your week. And we'll see you Wednesday night with another episode right here on TRB. See you around, kids. <laughs> <laughs>